Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, turn it to Psalm, the 16th chapter. I want to welcome everybody who is watching online right now. Thank you for being a part. If you're ever in the area, please stop by and check us out. But we are in a phenomenal series right now called Pop Culture, where we're talking about the power of prayer, the power of praise, the power of his presence, and the power of our position. And whether it's not like every week there's going to be a different topic, like one week's prayer, one week's praise. It's all kind of mashed together. And last week, we really focused on the presence of God and how we come into his presence. And I don't know if it blessed you, but that message blessed me. It was something that I was able to chew on all week long. And FYI, that's how you make a sermon beneficial to you. You don't just hear it today and go out. You take it, you take notes, you chew on it. You start applying it. When we talk about praising God, we said, bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. That means when I wake up in the morning and I realize I'm fat and bald, I've got to open my mouth and say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm still alive. When things aren't going good, when, when I get a phone call that I don't want to hear, I got some phone calls this week that I didn't want to hear. And when I got off the phone, I said, thank you, Jesus, for being in control. I thank you for being God. I thank you for being good. And I thank you for being good at your job. And what happens is it begins to shift the atmosphere. Things begin to change. And so when we talk about things like we are talking about in the series, it's not a game to me. These are things that will change your Life. It will change your family. It will change your business. And I've got good news for you. There's nothing too far beyond God's grasp. Some of you think, well, this situation is too far gone. It is not. If you'll get the proper perspective and start exalting God in the midst of it, he will turn it around. And even though you walk through a valley, hear what I'm saying, and you will walk through valleys in life. Some people want to teach that you can go through this life without pain, and you cannot. You will have pain, you will have valleys, you will have trials, but you can walk through with your head high and you will stand on the other side and be able to say, great is your faithfulness because you are with me all the time. But you've got to get a hold of messages like this, okay? So I can, everybody's breaking out their pens and paper, got some ready students. I'm just kidding, nobody is. They're like, get me out of here, I'm hungry. Psalm 1611, the Bible says, you make known to me the path of life. You have revealed this path to me. What I could not find on my own, God has shown up and said, let me light that path for you. Let me allow you to see things that you could not see before. Let me show you some things from my perspective. You want to know where real life is? Let me show it to you. I believe that many of us do life wrong because we're trying to do it on our own. And so we many times miss out on the life that God has made available because we're trying to figure it out. We need to pause. Somebody say, hit the pause button. Hit the pause button and say, God, help me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. You show me the path of life. The Bible says, if I will trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not to my own understanding, which is the hard part. Leaning not to our own understanding, not trying to figure everything out. But in all my ways, if I'll acknowledge him, he will direct my path. The steps of a good man. The steps of a good woman are what? Ordered of the Lord. And so when I wake up in the morning, Bob, I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm trusting Jesus and I'm trusting that Jesus has already figured it out and I'll just get to stepping. Turn to the person next to you and say, get to stepping. He shows me the path of life in his presence. I love this part. Is the 
fullness of joy, unending joy, not a pocket of happiness. I'm talking about the fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, sometimes we think that God is like anti-pleasure. Some churches teach God like, you better be careful with pleasure, brother, because you're stepping into sin. Pleasure is of God. God invented pleasure. We have perverted it, but God has invented it. I was thinking about it the other day when I was riding down the road. I was worshiping. And let me show you how easy your worship and praise can be. I started thanking God for food and the ability he's given me to eat it. And it struck me. This struck me. This is, this is heavy stuff, okay? It struck me that he gave me the ability to taste it. And I thought, you didn't have to do that, God. Because all, really all we need food for is nourishment. And so he could have made everything taste the same just so that we could be nourished. And I thought, you made something taste good for me, and then you gave me the ability to taste it. Wow, you're good. God is about pleasure. Turn to the person next to you and say, God is about pleasure. But it's in the path of life that you find his real pleasure. That's for every area of your life. We've got children here, so I'll stop right there with the food example and move on. But pleasure is available. Fullness of joy is available, but it's in his path, and you've got to know what you're looking for, okay? You've got to know what you're looking for, and you've got to know where to look. You ever watch one of those survivor shows on television where they drop people in the middle of the jungle, and they're like, good luck. There's this naked and afraid where they drop people off naked, and apparently they're afraid. I don't know. I haven't really watched it, but... The idea is they they are trying to survive out in the wilderness and they don't take food with them. But the good news is if you know what you're looking for, you can eat out in the jungle. You can grab some bugs. There's some worms that you can eat. It's okay. Just take some ranch dressing with you. It's all good, man. If you put ranch dressing on anything, it becomes amazing. Don't you know that? But I mean, there's bugs out there you can eat for nutrition. If you had to survive, I know. But it's real, dude. There's worms out there. You want to eat some worms? We're going to have a worm handling service. You know, some churches handle snakes. We're going to handle worms. We'll eat them. <laughs> but <laughs> there's, there, are plants, there are plants out in the wilderness that you can eat to survive. It may not taste great, but you can survive off of it. But you better know what you're looking for. Because you can't just grab any mushroom and eat it. Because it can either end really, really bad or really, really crazy. <laughs> depending on the kind of... <laughs> Depending on the kind of, I see you over there in your tie-dye shirt. You know what I'm talking about with the mushroom. Uh, <laughs> so, like, you got, you've got to know, you've got to know what you're looking for. And so, when we talk about the fullness of joy, it's available, but you've got to know where to look. You have to know how to access it. The reason so many of us live with a deficiency of joy and peace in our life is because we don't know, one, that it's available, and two, we don't really know where to look for it. And so we think that stuff will give me joy. We think that stuff will give me peace. And we go after those things. We spend our whole life pursuing that. And we find pockets of happiness, but it's temporary, so it wears off. And then we live depressed. But a child of God should never live depressed. You may have seasons. There may be a moment where depression tries to come on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There may be seasons where a burden comes on you and you feel that, but you've got to know that as a child of God, you can step out of those things through your praise and that joy is what God intends for you. 
Peace is what God intends for you. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. The reason we are not experiencing a fullness of those things is because we are looking in the wrong place. And this place where we find it is the place that God designed for us to live in. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, back into Genesis, when God creates the heavens and the earth, he always creates the environment before he creates the creature to live in it. So before he creates the fish, he creates the water. Before he creates the bird, he creates the sky. Why? Because creatures need an environment that they can survive in and thrive in. And I began to think, well, what is that environment, God? What's the environment you created for us? You made water for the fish. You made the sky for the birds. You made the fields for the cattle and the herds of all kinds of... You, you made it all. What is our environment? And I started thinking about Eden. And many of us miss this when we talk about the Garden of Eden. This is a place that God planted, a garden that he planted east and Eden, and there he places man and woman. But we never stop to consider that Eden was actually an open door from heaven to earth. This was a place where the manifest presence of God was there 24-7. Adam and Eve, they walked with God. They talked with God. They enjoyed the goodness of God. They enjoyed life with God. That's the place that God has intended for you and I to live and dwell and move. That is the environment that we thrive in. The problem is sin. See, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden, they were removed from that place, from that environment that they were created for. And anytime the creature is removed from its environment, what happens? It begins to malfunction. It begins to suffer. It begins to die. It's like catching a fish and pulling it up into your boat. If you don't put that fish back in the water soon enough, that thing's going to start <laughs> flopping and twitching because it's out of its environment. It's the same thing for you and I. If we're not in the proper environment, we begin to malfunction. And so this environment of this place of enjoying God, think about that, Paul. You don't wake up in the morning and have to worry about anything. Everything is good. Everything is perfect. And God is there, y'all, serving breakfast, flipping pancakes. I don't know they did that, but it's pretty cool to think about. God is there, and this, his presence is with man, but then we get removed from it. But the, the good news is Jesus... He says, you know what, I'm not going to leave it that way. So what Jesus does through his sacrifice on the cross, he makes a way for us to come back into that place. Follow what I'm saying. Salvation is more than just getting you from here to heaven. Are you following me? Salvation is more than just getting you from this place to that place. Yes, I do believe in an eternal reward. I do believe we will stand and see Jesus face to face. I do believe that all the pain and the suffering and all the tears will be wiped. I do believe in that. But salvation is not just about getting us to heaven. It's about bringing heaven to 
earth through mankind. Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus, at the moment that he died and you put your faith and your trust in him, you have a way back into the environment that was created for you where you can thrive, where you can find this fullness of joy and this everlasting peace that never runs out. It is there, but the problem is our flesh is awake now. We got woke. Although I am saved, I've still got a body of flesh. And this flesh, according to Scripture, is warring against the spirit inside of me. So this flesh does everything possible to distract me from the presence, which is the environment I was created for. Are you following this? My flesh will do everything to distract me to keep me away from the things that God has for me. And that's why it talks about crucifying your flesh, dying daily. If I want to enjoy the presence of God, there are some things in my flesh I've got to crucify. Because coming into his presence is intentional. Coming into his presence is intentional. Turn to the person next to you and say, it is intentional. Watch this, Psalm 91.1. Everything I just said was the foundation for where we're going to go. Psalm 91.1 says, he who dwells. That's a key word there. He who dwells, that means I remain. I stay. I'm not in and out. See, when it comes to the presence of God, it's easy for us to come in and out, to come and go. It's easy to come to a church service like this when the band is happening. And we've got an incredible praise and worship team here. And, and, when, and when they're doing their thing, it's easy for you to feel the presence of God. But the problem is when you leave here, you've got to know how to maintain that thing. You've got to know how to dwell. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, those who dwell in his presence will live under his covering. Those who dwell in his presence will live under his covering. Those who dwell in his presence will benefit from everything that is in his presence. It's like an umbrella designed to keep you dry when it's raining. But that thing only works when you step under it. Are you following me? It's the same thing with his presence. You can be in the proximity of his presence and miss his presence if you're not in proper position. I was thinking about it. Uh, Years ago, Randy and I, Randy's our worship leader now. Years ago, he and I were a part of this youth group that took off, exploded. Uh, I mean, thousands of teenagers through the time that we were, uh, a youth group came through the doors. We would run 1,000 teenagers on a Monday night. It was crazy. We had a television show. It was on television three times a week uh, globally, two times a week here locally. Uh, number one best-selling book in Africa came out. It's funny. It's it didn't do anything here in the United States, but it sold really well in Africa. Came out, youth ministry, several albums, newspaper articles. God was doing some incredible stuff. And so as a part of this uh, television show, we needed to film a new intro. And so on Monday nights, we got wild. I mean, it was crazy in there. And we decided we wanted to capture some of that in the intro, but the best way to do that is to you know, pre-record some stuff because you can't catch everything live. And so Randy's going to do this stage dive maneuver for our video and it's not a low stage like this I mean this is a very tall stage it's probably four to five foot tall I would guess 
And so Randy is going to run, while being videotaped, he's going to run and he's going to dive off the stage. And so what we did was we set up some guys, I was one of them, and uh, we're going to hold our, lock our hands like this. And the idea is that Randy's going to fall on our hands and we'll be out of the frame, but you'll see this, this majestic Randy flying through the sky. <laughs> and you'll go, you know what? I want to I know Jesus now. I want to go to that youth group because people stage dive. Uh, uh, so anyway, so Randy runs and he does this, this amazing leap into the air. The only problem is he overjumps, <laughs> he, he overjumps our arms with the exception of the two guys at the end where his feet hit their arms and it throws him onto his face. See, see we, were, we were in the right proximity <laughs> to catch Randy, but we were out of position. Your position matters. If you want to experience the fullness of what God has made available, your position matters. You can't just be anywhere doing anything, living however you want. You have to position yourself. Now hear what I'm saying. To come into Christ, that's the easy part. You put your faith in Jesus. You don't earn salvation through your works. That's, God did that for you. But now once you've come into this place of the kingdom to explore the kingdom, that's your job through the leading of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll show you the path to life, but you're going to have to get on that path and start walking it. So, so here's three stories that I want to give you really quickly from Scripture that are going to kind of show us how to position ourselves. First, I'm going to show you the story, and then we're going to start outlining it. The first one is this. Jesus goes to his own hometown. Anybody familiar with that story? When Jesus goes to his own hometown, the Bible says once he gets there, he cannot do many miracles. Think about that. It's not that he would not. It says he could not do many miracles. People were in the proximity of the miracle man. People were in the proximity of the Son of God. People were in the proximity of, uh, of the one who could open blind eyes and raise dead people back. Are you following? They're in the proximity, but no one received from him. The second story I want to look at is Peter. He goes out all night fishing. He's a commercial fisherman. He goes out, he's fishing all night. He catches nothing. He's in the proximity of the fish but he doesn't catch any fish. He's not in the right position. The third story is the woman who has an issue of blood. The Bible says that in this moment, there's a great crowd pressing around Jesus because Jesus, I mean, he became really popular. Everybody wanted to be around him, and so these crowds would press in on him. And the Bible says that this woman pressed through the crowd. She touches the hem of his garment, and when she does, Jesus goes, hey, somebody just touched me. And his disciples, think this, his disciples think, that's ridiculous. You've got people all around you. Of course people are touching you. He goes, no, 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 something's different here. Somebody made a withdrawal from me. But I thought about all the people who were pressed around him. Debbie, there were people rubbing shoulders with him. There were people maybe high-fiving him as he came through the crowd and got no healing. So what's the difference? They're in the proximity of Jesus. All of these things are in the proximity, but what's the difference between those who received from Jesus and those who didn't? So let's start with the hometown. Jesus goes there, does not do many miracles. The Bible says he could not, right? Why is it? Why is it that Jesus was hindered from doing what he did everywhere else? 
That's part of it right there. I don't know who said it, but that's part of it. The other part is this. They saw him as Jesus from Nazareth. That's the carpenter's son. That's, that's Mary and Joseph's boy. That's the, that's, that's the kid that I used to keep in nursery. I used to wipe his butt. That's the kid we used to play with on the playground. They saw him as an ordinary person, and they did not recognize. Hear this. They did not recognize who he was, and it blocked the gift of God in their life because your recognition of him is your praise toward him. When I see who he is and I begin to declare who he is based upon how I recognize him, that is praise. So I start saying, Jesus, you are the son of the living God. You are the great. You are the first, the last, the almighty God. Nothing is impossible to you. You are the creator of heaven, the possessor of earth. All these things, I begin to recognize who he is. And in that moment, Jesus now can step into that place and start to move because I've positioned myself in his presence. So you want to know how to come into his presence? We talked about it last week. It's praise. You enter his gates with thanksgiving, which is a form of praise, thanking God for everything that he's done, thanking God even for the things that he has not accomplished yet that you've been praying for, but I believe that, God, you are faithful and it is coming. So I begin to thank God and I begin to praise him. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. And so as I begin to release a praise and recognize who God is, it begins to position me in his presence and in his presence is what? The fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. Are you following this? I've got to begin to recognize who Jesus is and I've got to begin to praise him for it. Because I can never receive from him what I do not recognize about him. There are churches all over this world that will never see a healing take place because they do not believe Jesus heals anymore. There are churches all over the world that will never see a miracle because they do not believe that Jesus does miracles anymore. But if I can recognize that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, you are the God that does not ever change. If you healed someone then, then God, you can show up and heal me now. If you provided for someone then, then God, you can show up and provide for me now. You are the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. You are my ever-present help in time of need. And Jesus, I need you. I start recognizing him. I start praising him. And God inhabits the praises of his people, which means I'm now in his presence. And in his presence is what? The fullness of joy. And a, come on, help me preach. I'm an audience participation preacher. In his presence is what? The fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. It's so simple, but we miss it. We miss it because we're so distracted by everything else in life. But if I can take time to recognize who he is and begin to bless him for it always and let his praise continually be in my mouth, I promise you'll start changing the atmosphere around you. So that's his hometown. Well, what about Peter? Peter goes fishing does not catch any fish. The next morning, he'd been fishing all night. He's tired. Anybody worked all night long? You're tired. All he wants to do is finish his job cleaning the nets, go home, eat some breakfast, and go to sleep before his wife wakes up because his wife's going to be ticked because he didn't make any money because he didn't catch no fish. And she's got an Amazon account cart full of items that she can't pay for now. So, so not only is, is Peter frustrated because he's been fishing all night, 
Now he, he knows I got to go face my wife. And hell hath no fury like a woman who has a man with no money. <laughs> I read it in a book. <laughs> so imagine all of this stuff's going on in Peter's life, okay? Jesus shows up. He got a good night's sleep. <laughs> and he steps into Peter's boat and he says, I want you to push off the shore a little bit because I want to teach the people. Peter has a decision to make. He can either say, sorry, bro, I'm tired. Maybe next time. Or he can say, do your thing. And this moment forever changes Peter's life. And he made himself available. If you want to experience the presence of God in your life, you have to make yourself available for the presence of God. What I mean is you've got to create some space. You've got to make some room for Jesus to step into your boat. Some of us never experience the presence of God because we have no room in our life for him to show up and do anything. You know, each and every one of us only have 24 hours in a day. And how we fill that time, once it's filled, it's filled. There is no more space. And so if we're going to have this ongoing relationship where we dwell in his presence, we've got to be intentional to carve out some space in our life for God to come in and move and do some things, some space for God to speak. Uh, the question is, what are you filling your space with? What are you filling your home with? This is important to think about. What kind of music are you allowing to permeate the atmosphere of your bedroom at night? There's no, no, no wonder you have a hard time sleeping. Consider what you're watching. Now, years ago, I would have said, well, that's legalism, brother. Well, now that I'm getting a little bit older, I, I realize that there's some spirits that attach themselves to those things. And I am allowing that to come into my home. No wonder those things are able to wreak havoc in my life. I need to consider what kind of space I am creating for God in my life. Is it a place of worship and praise? Is it a place of honor? Is it a place to where we talk about the goodness of God? Or is it a place where I complain? Because if I don't create room for him to move, I can't expect him to move. Are you, are you following that? Obed-Edom, Old Testament story. Back at this time, the presence of God would rest on the Ark of the Covenant. It's not like today. Now we, Jesus shed his blood, the Spirit of God fills us. But back then, the Spirit would only come to certain places, certain times, and only certain people could go in and see it. And Obed-Edom is blessed enough to have the Ark of the Covenant come to his house. And he says, you know what, I'll make room for the Ark to stay here. You know what the Bible says about Obed-Edom? His home was blessed. His family was blessed. He prospered. You know why? Because he created space for the presence of God in his life. You want to see your family blessed? Start creating space for God. I could go old school preaching right now. But the, the truth is, we do not create space for God. He is not a priority in our life, and there's no wonder that our life is malfunctioning. It's because we're living outside of the environment he created. We've made everything more important than him. Our television show is more important. The podcast is more important. Listen, I don't have time to fill my mind with garbage. And again, there's some things that's not necessarily even sin. It's just something I'm not going to allow into my life because it's not beneficial for me because I'd rather carve out that space for God 
to move. When I'm, when I'm in my car, I don't listen to the radio anymore. I'll either have on a podcast of preaching or I'll have on worship and praise. It's not because I'm holier than everyone else. I just realize that that's a portion of my day that I can spend in the presence of God. And I'm not going to waste it. I'm not going to squander it with something that's not beneficial to me. And I love music. Are, are you seeing what I'm saying? I'm not saying music's a sin, so don't hear that. I love music. I love all of those bands, but those things are not beneficial to me in my life. And they don't lead me on the path of life. The reason we're not experiencing the fullness of joy is because we're doing life wrong. Even though we're Christians, we're doing it wrong, and we can change it today by making ourselves available and creating space. The second thing is this. Once, once Peter made himself available, Jesus gets on the boat after he's done preaching. He goes, now I want you to go fishing. And it was Peter's obedience that led him to position himself for the blessing of fish. What am I trying to say? God's word is full of promises, but unless you position yourself through obedience to receive them, you'll never receive them. So I've got to recognize who Jesus is. I've got to praise him. That brings me into the presence. But I've got to make space, and then when he starts speaking and leading, either through his word or through his Holy Spirit, I've got to be obedient to follow. Because if I don't receive what God has, it's not his fault, it's my fault. And I thought a long time ago, like, if something in the Word of God I see is not working in my life, it's not the Word of God that has the problem. Somewhere within me, there's a problem. And so if I can start going, okay, God, what is it that you have for me? What is it that you want to show me? The, the sons of God, the Bible says the sons of God, the daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will always lead you into his presence where there is life, where there is wisdom, where there is joy, where there is hope, where there is peace. If you are malfunctioning in an area of your life, consider how much time you're spending in his presence versus something else. I hit it earlier today. Some of y'all got to get off the dark web. You're frying your brain. Well, pastor, I got to know what's going on. No, you don't. Why do I got to know what's going on in the world? We well, got to know how to pray. The Spirit of God leads me how to pray. Read your Bible. The Spirit of God shows me how to pray when I don't know what to, how to pray. Shows me what to pray for when I don't know what to pray for. I don't got to know what's going on in the world. I got to know, Jesus, where are you going and how can I get there with you? Oh, y'all being quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning now. <laughs> You're like, buddy, you better get off my dark whip in my pocket. Mm -hmm. I do what I want. Yeah, I'll do it. The final, <laughs> the final one is the woman. Are y'all still with me online or did I lose you? If, I'm, if, if you're still there, say, I'm awake, I'm ready. All right, third is the woman. This woman, she presses through the crowd and she comes up, she touches Jesus, touches just the hem of his garment and Jesus said, somebody touched me. What's the difference between her and everyone else? Faith. Faith. She had an expectation. She expected that I'm going to go through this crowd, and if I can just touch the hem of his garment, it may be difficult. It may take me some time. It may be hard to press through this crowd, but if I can just get to the hem, I don't have to have him turn around and, and lay hands on me. I don't, I don't even need him to dump oil on me. If I can just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to receive from him faith faith you'll never experience what God has available to you without faith faith is the currency of heaven without it nothing happens with it everything becomes possible 
God says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. Those that come to me have to believe first that I am and that I am a rewarder of those that diligently, there's a key word, those that diligently seek me. What's he saying? If you've got faith and you're coming after me, I'm going to reward you. Some people want to teach like, you should not expect God to do anything for you. Where in the world are you getting that kind of thought process in your life? Some of y'all have gone to dead church so long that you don't expect God to do anything. You serve a flannel board Jesus, which is not a real Jesus. That's an idol that you've developed in your life. I've got to have faith in the risen, resurrected God that still rules and reigns in the affairs of man. And that God, you can do all things. I'm not going to worry about what tomorrow holds because you hold tomorrow. I believe that you are in control, so I'm going to sleep well tonight. Depression leaves my life and peace comes into my life because I'm positioning myself in his presence. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear any evil. Hear what I'm saying, church. You can change your life if you'll change the way you view God. If you'll start praising him and worshiping him and honoring him at all times, things will start changing. Your family will change. Your marriage will change. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will continually be on my lips. Jesus has made a way for each and every person in this room to dwell in his presence, to come into that place to where you can thrive. But it's up to you. Turn to the person next to you say, it is up to you. You know, my wife bought me a ticket to Disney World one time. And after I got through the security, I walked through the gate. And if I just stood there and said, wow, I'm here. And never moved from that spot. I can be in Disney World, but never experience Disney World. Many of us, that's what we've done with our Christianity. Jesus is the way, the truth of life. We've said, yes, Jesus, I believe Now I come into the kingdom of God, but now I just stand there. You go, wow, can't wait till you come and get me out of this stinky place. Bring me over to where you are in glory. Oh, I'll fly away one day, oh glory. When we all get together over there, because we're not going to do anything about getting together over here. And we just stand there. Now realizing that he's given us entrance into life, and then he shows us the path of life, but it's our responsibility to walk out that life. If you're watching online today, you can start walking in the life that God has for you, but you've got to start bringing yourself into his presence, and that's something that you discipline yourself to do because your flesh isn't going to want to do it. Your flesh is going to want to keep you from the presence of God. Your flesh is going to want to pull you down into despair and depression, but anytime those things start to come, you've got to know that you can call on God, and you've got to start worshiping God, and you've got to start praising God. You've got to start thanking God and allow him to come into that atmosphere in that room and supercharge it and watch things begin to change. Watch things begin to change. Listen, you're going to have trials, you're going to have pain, but you can have joy in the midst of it. See, see, this thing I'm talking about, the presence of God, is all about enjoying God. It's not about getting stuff, it's about enjoying God. God. And when you start enjoying God, it doesn't matter what happens around you because you know he's always with you and he's all you need. But here's the bonus. When you do that, then he says, okay, now I'll start adding some things to you. Start enjoying God. Father, touch every person that's watching online right now. Lord, change their heart. Give them a new perspective. Lord, encourage them to start opening their mouth and blessing you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.